Hey there, happy to see you again, especially now that things are opening up. Though I do hope you're still wearing a mask in enclosed public spaces. Listen, I'm especially happy today because I'm about to introduce you to someone I think you'll like. Today on Inside Stories, someone I met by chance six years ago. I was heading back home from the Farnborough International Air Show in the UK, and I needed to take a train and then a bus to get to Heathrow. Well, I took the wrong train, wound up behind schedule, but as a result, I wound up sitting beside today's guest, whom I felt very fortunate to have met. Joining me on today's Inside Stories is Ronaldo Lawrence. Now, he's an outstanding children's e-learning educator, an author, a trainer, a public speaker, a father, and a man who was drafted by the NBA's San Diego Clippers in 1979. Ronaldo joins me from the UK today. Ronaldo, thank you. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I thank you for having me. Listen, tell me about the part of the UK where you live. I live in a place called Woking, which is about 25 minutes from London and about 45 minutes from Gatwick uh, Airport and 20 minutes from Heathrow. So I, I can get in and out quickly. What has life been like there during these very unusual times? I think like every place else, pretty cha uh, chaotic. I think um, because no one actually knows what's going on. And if you look at what's happening with all the different governments, um, it's been pretty rough. And I think the, the worst thing for me is all the people who have lost someone has been really, really tough. And I think also people's financial situations um, has taken a hit. But if there's one thing that I've seen that come out of this is that finally, I think this has given people a chance to sit back, stand back, and look at life for what it, what it really is. And I think that we, um, at 100 miles an hour life, hopefully is over and people can actually think and look at people more for who they are and what they are than just for what they've got. I think that's what has happened out of this. We won't know, of course, until, you know, perhaps a year or two or more from now. Human beings, sometimes by nature, we slide back into old habits pretty easily. How do you think we can try to avoid doing that and, and take the positives that have, that have come from this and, and use those going forward? Well, I believe and I firmly believe that if we look at all the situation that's going on now with the Black Lives Matters, if we look at all the situation going on with the, um, L, what's the LBQT community, um, if we look at all of that, what's going on, I think now we are beginning to have um, a world that how it should be, where people are looked at for the, for the character and not for the color of their skin or what they are. You know, and I think you was mentioning about slipping back. I think what we have to do as humans is we have to check each other all the time. And we have to make sure. And I think if you work for somebody else, I think it's up to those individuals to make sure that their companies check you to make sure that you're not falling back. And, you know, Apple is an amazing company. I just saw what Tim Cook did the other day with $100 million to the various um, organizations. And, and just the thought of what they're trying to do, you know, and a lot of other companies. I think it's just amazing. And I think each one of us as individuals, we need to check ourselves as Romanis and then stop and look back and see just how bad it was, you know, when we advance a little more in the future. 
How has the pandemic been affecting your own work? You're a pretty busy guy most of the time. Yeah, I'm extremely busy. So I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I've been very fortunate. No one in my family has been um, really affected by this. I think the most that is affected, um, my daughter, um, she's had a rough time for the first four weeks. She's had a real rough time because she's a social being. Um, she likes to get out. She works for Vogue magazine, social media. And uh, my wife had a minute or two. Um, but for me, if I'm honest, man, I've lived my best life. I've lived my best life. I've been able to, because I've, I'm a teacher and because school was out, I've been able to almost finish my second book. I've got my website up uh, where we're selling various clothes and whatever. I'm doing a program now where I'm teaching parents with autistic kids how to use the Google platform so they can better help their students or help their kids. Um, and I'm doing quite a bit like that. And I'm really taking a, a sort of like help other people um, view of the world now. Not that I didn't before, but I think I've had time now to sit down and actually look at what's going on. It, it's, my life has been now about servitude, man. My life has been, you know, I am grateful for everything that I've got. I'm grateful for every breath that I take. And I think the thing with me is I, it's imperative that I look for ways to be grateful. I look for ways to help other people, you know, and that's just the nature. That's my mother in me. So this idea of living with gratitude and, and being of service of, of some sort, is that something that's been with you your whole life? And, and if so, where, where did it come from? You know, I, um, I caught the back end of Mr. King's life, Martin Luther King's life. And I remember uh, my mom and I remember my grandmom especially. My grandmother used to bake pies. And my grandmother used to put the pies on the windowsill. And I used to always wonder because the pies would just disappear. And I was confused for a while. And then one day I just decided to ask her, well, what are you doing? She said, well, you know, people have a lot of pride. And there are a lot of kids and a lot of families in this neighborhood that don't have money. So what I do is I bake from the community and those kids know that they can come take the pies and go back and share with their family. And that stuck with me. And it stuck with me because the idea that one human being can have influence in another human being's life and try to help them progress through their life, to me that has always resonated with me. Um, and my mom is the same way. I've seen my mom literally, I mean literally, give the sweater off her back to somebody who didn't have it. You know, my mom, man, um, when I was growing up, there were often people, when I would come home, people were around the house. My mom would be feeding dinner to, you know? And so when you grow up in an environment like that, giving becomes a habit. Trying to make sure that other people feel good about themselves becoming a habit and not wanting anything back, you know? And not even want to tell people sometimes what you've done for other people because that's not, it's not important what you've done is that you've done it and it doesn't matter if anybody know about it, you know? So that, that's, that's the kind of environment I grew up in and that's the kind of environment I try to foster with my kid, my kids and my family. I know from looking at the book cover of one of your books online that you didn't have a very easy go of it when you were first born. Could you give us, enlighten us on that, please? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, man, because um, as my grandmother said every day, God is a good God. You know, um, 
when I was born, I was born with my insides all screwed up. And even to this day, my blood flows the opposite way that everybody else's blood flows in their body. And they told my mom that she had, that I had, I think it was seven weeks, six or seven weeks to live. And that there was nothing else that they could actually do to help me. So what happened was they just said to my mom, look, we're going to send him home with you. And there's nothing else we can do. There's just nothing we can do. And luckily enough, man, my mom nursed me. And then that six, seven weeks became a month, two months, three months, four months. And now I'm here, you know. And that's another reason because, you know, man, there's a lot of people who didn't make it today. There's a lot of a lot of people who are not on the side of the uh, of things, and it is important that I give thanks. It's important that I've been given a chance to have a life. So at the end of my life, I want to be able to say, "Man, what a difference I made! What a difference I made while I was on this planet!" And I think that's one of the reasons why I suffered so much as a child, because I could understand the de deprivation, I can understand the, the, the hurt, I can understand what it's like not to have in a way. And then as I progress through life, man, things just slowly you know, come around. And so I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled to be living. I'm thrilled to be breathing. I'm thrilled to just, I'm just thrilled, man. You know, I'm just happy. Your book has a really interesting title, I Am More Than What You See. Why did you choose that? You know, it's funny, that book title, because I had another title. And I was talking to a guy online one day, and then he just texted me and said, can you please call me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I called him, and he said, that's not the name of your book. He said, that is not the name of your book. He said, the name of your book is I Am More Than What They See. And I thought, wow, okay. So I used that name. And the meaning to me is we look at individuals and we just assume you know, we make up our own mind about people before we actually get to know them. And what I am saying that there is more to me than meets the eye. There's more to you than meets the eye. And I think like a book, you have to get in and you have to read the chapters of that book. And you have to understand what's going on with the individual characters in that book. And I think it's with any human being. You know, you have to get in and you have to find out the sort of path that they've come through. You have to find out the sort of road that they're on and where they're going. And I think then you get to know the individual. And it's funny, man, because right now I would say I have very few friends. I have quite a few acquaintances, but I have very few friends. Um, and it's important to me that the people who I consider friends are people that know me, people that know what I'm about, people that have understand, and even more importantly, people that have been down one path with me. So they understand the struggles that I've been through, understand the struggles that they've been through. So we have some sort of commonality, a common bond between us. You know, so I don't, I make acquaintance very easy, but I don't make long life friends that easy. One of the online reviews of your book, the person who wrote that little snippet mentioned that part of your book deals with racism. I'm curious if you could share with me a bit of perhaps one of those experiences that has stuck with you, because I think we're also at a time when it's very important for people who have never experienced racism to understand what that is like. 
Yes, I, I think it all comes back to when you see me, you see black, but you don't see the person. You don't see the things that I've been through. You don't see the goodness that I've created in the world. You don't see any of that. You just see the person and you make, in a split second, you make an assumption of who I am and what I do. And it's quite interesting, man, because I could wear a non-suit, just some clothes, and walk in a place, and you would perceive me totally different than if I had on a suit. Because all of a sudden, with a suit, I look non-threatening. You know? Um, but I think the incident or the things that have really, really stayed with me is I remember the white toilets. I remember the colored toilets. I remember when Mr. King was shot, you know, and I remember going to a rally once with Mr. Jesse Jackson. And I remember just listening to him. You know, I remember the Black Panther Party. And I remember the people who were trying to fight for justice. And I also remember the lies that were told about some of those people. And if you look at the news now and you look at what's actually going on, I think you see a different portrayal of Black people than any other race in the world. You know, most of the stuff is quite negative. And I think now, this time that we're going through, I think now, man, it's a point where the truth is coming to light. You know, the truth is coming to light. And I think now we're living in a time where, because of the support of so many other people of different races, I think this will make a change. I think this, this feels different than any other time I have ever been through in history. And I, I'm always aware, regardless of I go, that people will perceive me differently. So therefore, I have to be the best in the room at what I do. I have to. I have to be the best in the room at what I do. I have to be the best at whatever I put my hand to. I have to. And if I'm, I'm not the best, I have to know how to do the things in order to make sure that I'm successful. You know, so, so yeah, so that, that would be the one thing I think that stuck with me. But the other thing, man, that stuck with me is this. My grandmother said to me, she said, son, love knows no color. She said, love only knows the heart. And that's the thing that I stuck with me. And that's the thing, man, that I try to keep with me each and every day, you know, that and, and prayer. You know, I, I pray a lot for the people who, just have hatred in their heart, man. Because how do you go around every day just hating? I, I just, I just, what a waste of energy. What a waste of energy just to hate, you know? It's just, it's just such a waste of energy for me, you know? So I don't have time for that foolishness. Just give us a snapshot of what your book is about. My book is about, it, it has, I think it's 13 chapters. Each one of the chapters um, is a combination of what I have experienced in terms of living my life. Um, for instance, I have one chapter in there that I dedicated to my mother. And one of the best things that has ever happened to me is on my mother's 92nd birthday, I was able to give her the book with her chapter. And she was able to read about herself. That's fantastic. And she was able to read about how I felt about her. Although I tell her all the time, but to see it in print, and the other thing about the book is my grandchildren's 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 grandchildren will know that I existed. 
they will know something about me. And they will know that I existed on this planet. And to everybody within the sound of my voice, if you're not writing your own story, you're doing the world a disservice. Because every single moment that you spend on this planet, every single opportunity that has presented itself to you, every single individual that you've met, you deserve to write your story so you can share it with the world. And all of us have common stories, all of us. They just come in a different view. And I think that by writing your story, you possibly can help the next human being. So my book, I have, one, I have um, quite a few, like I said, I have 14 chapters, actually. And like I said, man, one of the chapters in that book is, um, Boy, Get Off of My Pee. <laughs> and <clears throat> that chapter has all to do with learning about responsibility and learning about things that don't belong to you. So one afternoon, myself and some cousins who came down from New Jersey, while outside playing. And so as you do as a kid, I decided I was going to show off to everybody. So I jumped on this pig. And unbeknownst to me, the pig was pregnant. Um, and then all of a sudden, everybody stopped laughing and started scattering. And I wondered what was wrong. And my grandfather walked out the house. And my grandfather, he was quite angry, but he settled down and he just said to me, do you understand that that pig that you were riding is our food. That pig that you were riding feeds a lot of people in the neighborhood. That pig that you were riding is the source of nourishment for so many people. So you got to understand this. You got to understand that you need to think before you act. You need to understand the ramifications of what you do, because whatever you do, it has an effect on other people. And that was a powerful lesson to me. Tell me a little bit more about how the power of stories can be a useful, a useful tool to convey a, a, something much bigger. I think it's extremely important that if you just set up and just give people information, there's not a great chance that they're going to remember. But if you wrap that information in a story and make that story relevant to somebody else's life, then they stand a much better chance of actually understanding what you've spoken about. And so to me, it's important that regardless of what you do is that you tell stories. And even when I'm in the classroom, I will always, and I tell a lot of my stories from my life in the classroom. And I make it where whatever I'm telling them has something to do with what we're studying. So then they can say, oh, I remember this happened. Mr. Lawrence said that's what happened in his life. And I think it's important that all of us, that you use story as a medium of getting information out there, but also getting relevant information out there and truthful information out there. So I think story is extremely important. And the great thing about story, man, you can always go back and check whether it was the truth. You know, especially with video and everything these days. Well, this is a hopeful time and we're talking about the kind of sweeping civil rights movement that we're seeing. It's also a difficult time when we frame it against the pandemic that is still going on globally. Now, restrictions are loosening in many places, but it's still not an easy time for a lot of people. And there's a lot of uncertainty that, that we're all facing. Do you have any message or advice for people who may be struggling, who just think life is really difficult right now? Number one, please look after yourselves. And just because things have opened up doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe. Number two, 
please wear masks if you're in public places. You know, it's very, very important. But I think more than that, I think what you need to do is understand, first of all, regardless of your situation, you're a human being and you're magnificent. I mean, if you thought, if you was to think of all the things that are going on in your body at one time, just for you to be able to see, just for you to be able to hold something, just for you to be able to stand up, just for you to be able to walk, just for you to be able to breathe, you would be so thankful. I think a lot of times as human beings, what we do is we tend to look at the worst. And I'm quite sure that there's something in your life, regardless of who you are, you know, within the sound of my voice, there's something for you to be thankful for. There really is. There's also, and if you're struggling with it, one of the things that I do um, before I go to bed every single night, and I've done for the last five years, is I will write down by my bed what I did that was positive that previous day. And so the next day when I wake up, that is the first thing, after I thank the Lord for having me, you know, letting me wake up, that is the first thing I read because I start my day on a very positive note. And I think it's extremely important that us as individuals, that we have to look for the good. And I think by looking through the good, you'll be surprised at how much good you can find if you look for it. You know, and I never get up in the morning thinking, oh boy, I hope this is a good day. No, I think this is going to be a fabulous day. I set the tone for my life, nobody else. I set the direction my life is going in, nobody else. And I start by speaking. And if you speak it, you stand a much better chance of getting it than speaking in a negative term. I am so grateful, speaking of gratitude, that you could join me today and, and share some of these stories and insight. I am now holding uh, my water glass and a knife, and this sound indicates that we are into the final wrap-up section of this interview where I'm going to ask you a few fast questions and look for a few fast answers from you. Ronaldo Lawrence, what is the best thing about the UK? I think the best things about the UK is my family, that I get a chance to see them every single day, that I get a chance to interact with them every single day. And that's another thing that's come out as COVID-19. I've found that I really love my family even more. When you're running around every single day to work back and forth, all that gets lost. And I think now I've rediscovered love for my family. What American food do you miss most? Oh, my God. Macaroni and cheese with some spare ribs and lima beans and some Kool-Aid. Where on the planet would you like to travel to that you have not yet been? Ooh, that I've not yet been, I would like to go to that I've not yet been. Mm, that I've not yet been. I would say Hawaii. Who is your personal hero? Barack Obama. What are you looking forward to doing when this is over that you just can't do right now? Going back to an Apple store and just walking through the Apple store. Ronaldo Lawrence, author, e-learning educator, motivational speaker, father, and actually my friend from a bus ride to Heathrow. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And can I just say to you, I hope that as what we were talking, I hope that God continues to bless you and I hope that you continue to bless other people and me knowing you from just that short time, I'm quite sure it will. Well, look at what happened now. You're blessing me by giving me the opportunity to tell my story. 
And hopefully this story will help resonate with somebody and help them along their path. So thank you. Thank you. You know, Ronaldo really struck me when I met him back in 2014. And he's still the same guy, giving, filled with gratitude, positive, and humble. If you're interested in learning more about Ronaldo, his website is Ronaldo Lawrence, and that's Lawrence with a W, dot com. You'll also find a link to his books there. I'm Scott Simmy. Thanks for having me over. It's always great to see you. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.